You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we go, a freaking again. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully, everybody had a great weekend. I know I had an absolute blast hanging out with the family. Um, got a lot of work done. Got a lot of family time done. And uh, my my middle son or my middle kid, my oldest boy, he's starting to get a really funny personality with him. So there was times where he did boy stuff, and I just laughed my butt off at him. Uh, hopefully, you dads out there could appreciate that comment. But. Aside from that, man, I think I've said this for the last seven or eight <laughs> podcasts that I've recorded now, but man, I'm getting jacked up for shed hunting. Uh, I had a conversation with a wife today and uh, she's like, man, we just got to go more. And I think, I think she likes it a lot. So uh, it's either that or she wants to get away from the kids sometimes <laughs> just as bad as I do. So shed hunting is a perfect opportunity to get outside and get away from your kids if uh, you have three kids that sometimes drive you crazy. I love them to death. However, today's podcast, man, we're going to be talking with uh, a repeat guest. His name is Nick Sopko, and he's from Ohio, and he's been on, oh, the podcast uh, two other times. This makes his third. He's in the three-timers list. And today, we talk about... You know, we all have those seasons where it is a struggle and not necessarily because, you know, of the stuff that happens in the tree, but sometimes it's the stuff that happens outside of the timber as well. And he talks about what he thought was a minor injury that turned into a big injury and uh, it kept him out of the tree and he had to change his entire hunting strategy because of what happened to him and you're going to listen to that in the podcast today but he had to put down the compound pick up a crossbow and he could no longer hunt from a tree for a, a big portion of the season that on top of not seeing any quality deer until late season and then uh, he 
he uh, he grinded it out and he became successful. And that's the, those are the stories that I love about the guys who do not quit and they just continue to grind and grind and grind until it's over. And you either eat your tag, man, or you're successful. And I lo- like I said, man, I love hearing stories like that. And that's what today's podcast is about. It's a little bit of a BS session. It's a little bit of a hunter profile session. But it's a really good story uh, about working hard and that hard work paying off, especially uh, when it comes to chasing mature deer. So before we get into that podcast, I want to talk a little bit about wasp archery. Um, dude, this year I fell in love with their broadheads, I, I guess you could say again, because when I was, when I first got into archery, uh, bow hunting, I can remember using the jackhammers, right? The uh, mechanical broadhead from them. And I killed a lot of deer with the jackhammer, and that is a mechanical broadhead, a three-blade mechanical. Then, you know, I I did what a lot of people do, and I bounced around between uh, different brands to just try to, you know, test things out and whatnot. And then a couple years ago, I decided, you know, I need to go back to a, I need to go back to a fixed blade. I think there's just a lot less worry. Uh, I, I keep hearing these horror stories about people talking about blades not opening, blades not opening, whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back to a small, a smaller fixed blade, four blade broadhead. And that's when I picked up the boss four blade. And, uh, that is a freaking tank of a, it is a tough, it's just a well built broadhead and that's for all of their products because all of their products are made in America. They're badass, right? They're made by badass people. It's a badass company, overall badass. So I'm telling you right now, you know, this season's pretty much over for a lot of us, but turkey season's coming up and uh, you know, it's you can always use more broadheads. I know that I I need a lot of them <laughs> throughout the year from just killing deer, losing them and, you know, I don't know, just you need broadheads if you're going to be a a bow hunter. So you need to go to wasparchery.com. And when you do decide to purchase some of these American-made badass broadheads, you need to enter the discount code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9, followed by the word FINGERS, and you will receive 20% off of your purchase. So that's a pretty good saving from a really good American-made company. Other than that, guys... I don't have too much to say. I mean, I I could always talk. I mean, that's why I have a podcast. But let's get into today's hunter success story with three-timer Nick Sopko. All right. On the phone with me now, Mr. Nick Sopko. How you doing today, man? Doing good, Dan. I tell you what, you're you're now in the three-timers club. I am. We should get a VIP card or something. <laughs> a punch card? That's uh yeah, that's yes, good definitely. for absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> bragging rights, right, bragging rights. Right, there you go. You know, I, I wonder if people would ever put that on like a, a work resume. Like you handed it in and it was like, Oh, you've been a guest <laughs> on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, not once, not twice, but three different times. Wow, that's uh that's a big deal. Only only if your bosses are deer hunters. <laughs> So, dude, I mean, it sounds like you had a good year. 
Yeah, it was actually, I mean, I came out on top. I got a nice buck. I can't complain about that, but it was actually a really tough year as well. It was just, it was just took forever to get it done. And and I actually kind of wrote it off as a loss. I mean, I was still going at it hard, but, but it was like, I, I, I had good years the last couple of years. I got nice bucks and I just, uh, it's hard to keep that trend going, you know? And, uh, and I, I knew at some point my luck was going to run out, but I lucked out and it didn't run out this year. And that's what uh, we're going to be talking about today in the podcast. But um, just remind everybody where you do a majority of your hunting at. Yeah, I'm I'm in Northeast Ohio. Um, I hunt a couple different properties. We're pretty urbanized up here, so it's a lot of small properties mainly, like the. I actually shot this deer on the biggest property I hunt, which is a couple hundred acres. That's rare around here. Most, most properties in the area I live in are, are small. I mean, I'm talking 10 to 10 acres is a big spot. I mean, 30 or 40 or 50 acres is really big. Uh, so it's a lot of, a lot of city stuff, but it also allows the deer to kind of get to a, an older age class. Cause unless a car hits them, I mean, not a lot of people are hunting them. So, right. So, are you like hunting in between subdivision type of scenarios? Um, it, it's, it's sort of, it depends. I'm kind of, I'm south of, I'm like an hour south of Cleveland, 20 minutes south of Akron. So it's, I'm kind of outside of the main city. I mean, it's not, it's not super city. I'm more like suburbs, gotcha. but, um, and, and there's, there's some farms, there's some agricultural stuff. Okay. But uh, but most of it, um, I don't know. It's it's getting old actually. It's getting frustrating. I'm just gonna. I'm seriously contemplating migrating more south, at least for my hunting reasons, just to actually like get out and enjoy the woods more, not having to listen to the neighbors' kids screaming and <laughs> some guy mowing his lawn over there and whatever. It it just gets real frustrating after a while. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it, every once in a while you run into a season where it really tests your patience and tests your ability. And then it has you thinking, man, especially you, because you shot a good buck last year, right? And then yeah. one the year before as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're, you're kind of on a roll now, but yeah. And this, this season was kind of a perfect example where dude, you just keep grinding because if you're not in the tree, you're definitely not shooting a deer. Yeah. It was a little bit of reality check. Cause the last couple of years, the year before last, I shot a real nice 10 point and it was like, I shot him on October 9th and it was, it was almost just kind of an accident. I mean, it was, I lucked out basically. I was in the tree at the right time and a giant buck walked by and I got him last year. I got a nice buck. Uh, I think November 13th is when I shot him. I got to hunt, hunt hard for a week and enjoy my time out there. And then it ended perfect with a nice harvest of a good buck. And this year it was like, yeah, grind grind it out to the end, pretty much. Right, right. So let's go. The buck you ended up killing this year, you have a little bit of history mm-hmm. with, um, and let us all know when the history of this particular buck started. Yeah, so I've been hunting this uh, this particular property is a, a pretty large property, especially for being so close to my house, um, and it is. I can't remember exactly. It's over 200 acres, but it's actually like an operating camp. So I have permission to hunt there, but like I can't just free range on the whole property. Um, and, and I've hunted there 
for a couple of years, like I said, but I am basically hunting like a little funnel, um, maybe like 15 or 20 acres of it is what I actually hunt. But when people aren't there, um, camping and whatnot, I, the owners let me go in and basically kind of do whatever I want. I just have to shoot them a text and check in. So last year I kept wanting to go out there shed hunting, kept wanting to go out shed hunting and, um, and I'd text him. And he'd say, yeah, you're welcome to come out walk around, but I saw three bucks this morning with antlers. And this is like getting into April at this point. And I'm like, man, because I'd been. Oh, really? I'd, yeah, I'd always shed hunted some, but never very seriously. And last year, me and my wife got pretty into it. And we were out just about every spare minute we could get. And I was dying to get in there because I knew the property hold a bit, hold a, held nice bucks. And um, I just I wanted to get after their antlers. And it just seemed like they were holding on to them forever. So eventually it was like, well, I'm. I, I'm going to go shed hunting there. I mean, he's tell, still telling me he's seeing bucks. So I'm like, well, maybe, maybe some of them are dropping. Yeah. So I didn't find any the first couple of times out. And I texted him again. He said, yeah, come on out. I saw this one this morning and sent me a picture. Um, and, and it's a crappy picture through like a screen window, but there was a buck standing in his front yard. It looked like a nice two year old, I don't know, seven or eight point hard to tell. Um, because the picture was kind of bad. And I was like, Oh, well, that's cool. And then, um, and that was April 8th and I kept looking. I think I'd been out of the, out there four or five times with just no luck. I actually jumped a big buck out of there at that point. And then, and, and I don't know why, I mean, it's, it's hard in this area. I mean, actually I went shed hunting today and found the first shed of the season and it's like some bucks will shed so early and some mm-hmm. don't shed till so late. And I, I don't know if it has to do with pressure or what, but this, this property is pretty nice and not a lot of people mess with them out there. So I, I think they're pretty, pretty laid back, pretty pressure free. So I'm not sure if that's why they hang on to their antlers forever or what, but so April 8th, he had sending me, sent me the, uh, picture of the buck through his window and April 24th, I believe it was, I was actually shed hunting slash mushroom hunting. And I stumbled across an antler in a bed that hadn't been there the week before when I had been in there. Um, and I believe it's, and I, I sent you the pictures, but and it's kind of hard to tell. Like I said, the picture through the front window is not the greatest, but I believe the antler I found is the left antler of that deer that he sent me the picture of. Yeah. Um, so it was in a bed, uh, deer hair everywhere. Awesome looking area. So I'd found that shed. Um, and I was stoked about it just because it was, I do a lot of shed hunting, but a lot of them are deer that I don't really have the ability to hunt or it's a property that I can only shed hunt on or something like that. So I'm not always being able to chase the deer, that i have the antlers too and this one i was excited about because i know i can hunt here and i know i have this deer and he should be hopefully a nice one this year right well i tell you what man um he's a he's a he's a stud buck and what i'll tell you about uh about shed hunting is i have found sheds as early as you know around the christmas time you know mid to yeah. late uh december and i've also found sheds Similar to you, when I've been going out around, you know, the 15th through the 20th in April while shed hunting, or excuse me, while yeah. uh, while turkey hunting. So there is this huge range of, you know, December, January, February, March into April that these some of these deer are holding their entire, you know, the entire time. And that's like for me when I go out shed hunting and uh, I'll find I know I walked the in March. I know I walked this area, and then I still find sheds. So, it, yeah, we always we always walk a couple areas a couple of times because it's just so hard telling. 
and and I hate going this early because I'm always worried I'm going to run the big ones out and stuff like that. But I get too antsy, especially yeah. once the once the buck tags full, I'm, I'm ready to go. And there's a couple properties that I do walk that I have history with. Uh, I guess just I've shed hunted it long enough. I know that the deer here you typically will start shedding now-ish when as yeah. I'll save a couple other spots till a little later in the month or wait wait a while, you know. Right. Absolutely. Now, going in, you know, after you found that shed, um, the shed, I'll be honest, the shed compared to the deer that you had ended up shooting, obviously it looked like it had put on a ton of mass, you know. Yeah, it blew up. Yeah, blew up. You know, so when you found that shed antler, did it even get you excited at all? Yeah, I was just, I was excited just because the genetics in that area are kind of interesting. Um, I had shot actually my first, what I would consider kind of decent buck actually came off this property. Um, and it looked super similar to that shed. And I was just kind of, it was kind of neat because it uh, obviously the same genetics in the area. And, um, and I mean, the buck that I shot at that time wasn't a monster and the shed wasn't a monster either, but I knew it was a two year old. I figured it was a two year old. Um, and and maybe he could blow into something cool this year i don't know like i said there's typically for whatever reason this property holds some real nice deer um and i knew there was some bigger ones around i was sure there were some bigger ones around but just uh for whatever reason there's there's so many deer there but i shed hunted the heck out of it and i just had a hard time finding so it was my first shed off that property so it's hard not to be excited about that just in general and um so I, I wasn't complaining. It wasn't a monster, but but I, I'm never dissatisfied with the shit, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I I know I've mentioned this statistic before, but at one at one time I counted up all the shed antlers that I ever found, right? And then mm-hmm. I divided it, or I took the total amount of time that I felt like I had uh, ever shed hunted. And, you know, there's been days where I've went shed hunting for 12 hours and never found a shed. And then there's been times where I've gone out for four hours and found like seven or eight. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I did some math and I, and I was like, every, every shed that I've found, it has taken me somewhere between, I think, eight to 12 hours of walking per shed. Yeah. So that's a lot of time invested in just walking around the timber looking for fallen antlers. Yeah, that's what that's what and I and I I I forget what I had calculated out to last year, but this year I have um on X maps on my phone, so I'm planning to track every shed hunt I go on. Um and I'm gonna actually like try to get real specific with it and record exactly how many hours, how many miles and how many sheds we find and yeah. kind of break it down for how many shed per because I found the shed I found today was I was 45 minutes in and I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. We're about to slay. And then like three hours later, it was like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing else there. So. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely had those days where you find one right off the bat and you're, you're stoked and you're like, dude, just like you said, we're going to kill it today. And then you don't find another one. And then, and then the opposite, right? You've been walking all day long and you haven't found a shed yet. And then you're like, screw it. I'm going back to the truck. And in between where you're at and the truck, you find a shed and you're just, Oh my God, it was worth it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. For sure. Last year we found January 29th. Actually, we found four, like we'd walked and walked and walked and we found four on the way back to the truck that we had apparently walked past on the the, earlier in the day, but it was like, it's just nuts how that works. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So 
then after you found the shed and you know winter kind of take or well this is april so uh mm-hmm. you know the spring kind of passes you get into summer do you run remind us do you run trail cameras at all yeah yeah i do um i i did run a, i i never run trail cameras out there before just because like i said it's a camp and i i always worry about somebody screwing with my stuff so this year i'd actually gotten a good deal on a couple cell cams and i was like well i'll, I'll take a pair of sticks in and hang one up real high and angle it down and and maybe get some photos because like i said i know there were some good bucks in there and um and i just like got crap photo like i got a coyote like i got a few pictures here and there um that's the other part of the story i left out so while shed hunting i had discovered that these kids had apparently made a fort in the woods and it's not their (laughs) property but like i i want to play in the woods too like i'm sure when i was a little kid i ruined people's deer hunts because i was out running through the woods but but it's um these kids have like built this fort like 30 yards from the tree that i always like to sit in and it was like man that's that's gonna be upsetting but maybe by the time it gets cold they won't be there but um so i had discovered that that as well and i was like well they won't be there but anyways i had hung a trail camera shortly after that and um and the kids actually I somehow climbed up in the tree they didn't steal my trail camera but i got pictures of this little boy like staring in the lens and they like they like had apparently unscrewed it out of the tree and i mean it's like 12 feet off the ground so i don't know if they were like standing on each other's shoulders or what but they had apparently taken my trail camera down and like threw it on the ground so i went in after i stopped getting receiving pictures because i didn't know what the deal was and and i couldn't find it and i was like you've got to be kidding me i was like laying five feet from the tree with like some leaves over it and uh so that was super frustrating. And I knew that was going to end up or was concerned, I guess, that that was going to end up being a problem going into season. Um, so, yes, yes and no. I had a trail camera there. I didn't get any great pictures. I did get one picture that, um, again, it's it's a little far out, not a great picture, but I believe it is the buck that I ended up getting. And, and I forget the exact date when that picture was. Um, but I think it was a little bit before rut. Uh and and I, at that point, I could just tell it was a wide eight point. But I was like, well, that looks real similar to the uh, to the shed that I had found. Um, maybe he blew up a little bit this year and put on some put on some width. So so I had hung that up. Um, yeah, basically, actually, this this kind of goes into how tough my season was too. I had, so we hunt a couple different properties, and uh, and it was I forget end of August getting everything finished up prepped. We just finished prepping everything the week before on a couple other properties. And, uh, I was at work and we were, I worked for the County Metro parks and I was trimming some branches of some, uh, locust trees and stuff. And I got hit in the knuckle with a, like a thorn and I had gloves on everything. Got hit in the knuckle with a thorn. I was like, man, that hurt real bad. Kind of shook it off, looked at it, talked to my coworker about it. Not a big deal moved on like three hours later like my hand just felt like somebody smashed it with a sledgehammer and uh and so i went to uh went to my boss he said i will we'll get you get you taken care of so i ended up going to the doctor and they diagnosed me with a uh some sort of tissue infection so they gave me medicine for that didn't start to like i guess my swelling and redness went down but my knuckle was still super sensitive 
So this goes on for like a month. Now we're getting into September and I'm like worried about being able to shoot my bow and stuff. And uh, just cause it was super sensitive. I could use my hand, but, uh, but my knuckle still really hurt. And uh, was it on your, they, was it on your draw arm or your, yeah, yes, arm? yes, yes, yes. My, my, my right pointer finger knuckle is what it is. So trigger finger. Okay. Um, and uh, which I could, I could wear my release but it kind of put a little bit of pressure. I mean, I could shoot, I could get by with it, but it was just something that I was had concerns about, I guess. So I kept going back to the doctor, kept going back to the doctor, and uh, they finally did an MRI, and they're like, you have a bone infection, we have to send you to a specialist. So they sent me to a specialist, and uh, this is like getting into, like right before bow season at this point. So I'm starting to get real, real concerned. And... Uh, I like sit down in the doctor's office and I'm waiting and waiting. And he comes walking in. He's like, uh, we're going to have to operate tomorrow. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. Wait me. a second. So this all stems from a thorn in a knuckle. Yeah, dude. So like, how deep like, did it go? Like, it was lodged between the tendon and the bone. And did it break and off was, and stay in there? Yes. It was undetected for a month in my hand. They did x-rays and everything and it never showed up. Oh my Lord. So, so it really screwed me up and I'm trying to think about what my timeline is here because it was still, it was still, you know what? I think it was like September. Okay. So our season in Ohio, I think this year came in September 27th. They operate on my hand on like September 20th. Yeah. So they had to basically go into my knuckle, clean it up in there and like get a sample to send off to a lab to try to figure out what kind of nasty was growing in my hand basically so we're like 10 days out from season and and we always do like an early season uh like controlled hunt too that i always get super excited for so i'm sol there so they operate on my hand at this point i go and buy a crossbow because i'm like well i gotta go deer hunting yeah um even if even if i can't use my hand like i can shoot this thing left-handed like we'll be good to go and uh so that all happened. And, and then it ended up, my hand healed up fairly fast, but the part that they don't tell you is that you have to have six weeks of antibiotics through a pick line, which they have to insert into your arm. So basically I have Jesus. like IV antibiotics. Yeah, this is, this was the whole, don't get pricked by the wrong thorn. I'll tell you what, <laughs> I've, I've been stabbed by 10,000 thorns in my life. And now when I get poked by one, I think twice about it because Man. It's, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. So I had six weeks. So after my surgery, I had six weeks of IV antibiotics. So now you had like, to go you into have, the doctor for that, right? I had to, now I did it in my house. So they basically like taught me how to do it. Okay. Um, but I had to, I had to go into the hospital and they put like a pick line in my arm, which is like a 20 inch line that runs in a vein and sticks in above your heart. It was, it was a big, terrible, awful thing. Jesus. Like every yeah. time you say something about this, it gets worse and worse and worse. Oh, so oh, yeah. this yeah. wasn't just like, Hey, I got an infection in my hand. This was like, did, yeah, were they here, close here, take to these pills? Yeah. I mean, were they close to having to take the finger off the knuckle out? Uh, yeah, I almost ended up being a nine fingered wonder myself. Um, <laughs> the, he, he, he had said, I think, I mean, they had a concern about it. Um, and he had said something about like, if, if we didn't catch it sooner, I, I don't know. He didn't like say, listen, if this doesn't work, we're going to have to take your finger off. But it was either, he talked about like fusing the joint 
Oh, or there was a couple other options, but they they got it worked out, and it's still it's still a little funky, but at least it's functional now. So did you so lose anyways, any mobility I, in there in your finger at all? Yeah, I did for a while. Um, I, they had me in physical therapy and stuff now, so I'm I'm back to fairly full functionality. Um, it's still lacking strength a little bit, and depending on the weather, it's a little tender. But yeah. but uh, but um. A okay at this point, but and it set me back so much because it was like I was ready for deer season. Here we go, and then it was like, all right, you're getting surgery right before deer season. And then, actually, what it was is they had it scheduled to put my. They were going to put my pick. So when you get a pick line put in your arm, um, you can't lift anything over ten pounds, which really screws up your day. If you, I mean, you don't think about how much stuff you lift over ten pounds on any given day. So. It's just the arm that the pick line's in. You can't lift over 10 pounds. So I'm like, well, now I definitely can't draw my anything. Um, no more run and gun um, setups, right? No, no run. I can't even climb a tree stand. Like I can't, I can't use my right arm essentially for anything. I okay. mean, like to hold myself against the tree, whatever. Like I'm SOL basically. Oh, wait a second. Um, wait a second. All right. So yeah, you now it's September, right? Is, is September when you got that pick line put in your arm? Yeah, it was September 20th. They did the operation. I was like, well, I'll be healed up. I'll be good to go. And then they had to send tissues in for samples to figure out how exactly they're going to address the infection and like how they're going to treat it to make it better. So depending on what it was, they could have given me pills. They could do the pick line. They could do, I don't know what other options there were, but, but they, they were going to do the pick line. So what they did basically it was going to be like I had one weekend, the first weekend of bow season, like I'd get out and hunt without a pick line in my arm. And then I was SOL. And it was like, it was an issue because it's, it's not only like, man, I want to go hunting. I can't go hunting. I can go hunting, but now I got to like, if I shoot something, I got to call my wife to come like gut my deer and drag it out for me because I'm not supposed to do anything <laughs> physical. So it's, so there's, there's more issues that play into it than just like me not being able to go hunting. So yeah, they put the pick line in the week, like the Friday before bow season started. Okay. Okay. So then six weeks with that in is like the, yeah. like right in Pulled the heart of the rut. Pulled it out November 9th. I was in a tree the morning of November 10th. Okay. So did you have any problems? I mean, so, okay, wait a second. There's so many, I got so many questions for you now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now that, you know, all this was going on. You said you bought a crossbow. Yes. Did you start the season off with a crossbow then? Yes. Okay. So. Yes, actually, actually, I shot this deer with a crossbow. Okay. All right. So, well, I, you know, which I take it if, you know, you, you're not shooting a bow the entire season. And yeah. It was all a confidence a sudden, issue is yeah, what it was. Yeah. And that, that makes perfect yeah. sense. So. You you had to change the game to a crossbow. Now, two two questions. One, did what kind of mental change did you have to go through from you know something that you're completely used to hunting for several years to a brand new weapon? And also, you know, you're a tree stand hunter early season. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't hunt in a tree stand now. So talk to us how mentally and physically your season had to change. Yeah, I wasn't, I was not super thrilled about making the the switch to a crossbow and, and my wife wasn't super thrilled about me purchasing a crossbow (laughs) and spending that kind of money. But, uh, but 
she's supportive of me and she deer hunts with me and stuff and she understood and she knew I was upset about having to have such issues with the hand in general so she was for it and I was happy about that so so I mean it was fairly easy I actually I worked at 10 point crossbows for a while after I graduated college um and and 10 points located just I don't know 15 miles 10 miles from here um so they they do a lot of basically they produce the 10 point and the wicked ridge and now they produce horton crossbows too yeah um so i was familiar fairly familiar with their stuff in general and uh they have a good warranty and stuff so that's what i went with i bought that and i i had shot with shot them some when i'd worked there just in the range and whatnot um so i was fairly familiar with them i brought it home basically i made sure i could use it because uh, that was my other concern is if I do go hunting and I, I could have somebody cock it for me, but then if I shoot and spine something or I, I don't know, there's always bound to be an issue somehow, especially when I don't have any use of my right hand. So, so, um, I got one with basically, it's like a crank. It only takes, I think it's like a five pound, five pounds of pressure or whatever to crank it. So I could crank it with my right hand, um, and use it. And I got it sighted in, I shot it a whole bunch got super familiar with it um and and basically i taught myself how to shoot basically left-handed off my knee sitting on the ground yeah uh so so i got used to that that was my first first task at hand um how and then how long like did your range change then uh so you know with a with a bow you know there's you can go x number of yards now with a crossbow i mean are you, were you able to shoot a little bit longer of a distance more accurately? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and there's my issue with long distance shots on deer with any kind of archery equipment. And I forget the exact speed on, on the crossbow that I ended up buying. But, but the issue is after you shoot such a long distance, I mean, some deer might not react to that noise, but some deer too do, and you never know what the deer is going to do. So you typically anything beyond 40 yards, like I'm, I'm not going to take, that shot just in general as a as a rule of thumb and and even a 40 yard shot three quarters of the time i won't take either crossbow definitely a little more confident out to 40 um just because it is it's fast you're steady you have a crosshair and you can put the bolts basically touching at 40 yards on with a rest resting off my knee basically so definitely a, a little more confidence range wise but especially i mean super accurate i mean all the way out to 60 yards but again that's not a shot that i'm willing to take on a deer um but and that, and that's just practicing in my backyard a whole bunch basically too yeah yeah strategy yeah so uh really suck being being a <laughs> uh being a tree hunting from trees basically for uh, i don't almost since i started deer hunting i think and i mean i've been hunting since i was 12 so 13 years close to 14 years i've been deer hunting and i've been hunting almost from a tree stand almost the whole time and having to go back to the ground was just super challenging and it was almost it was like more so like wind than anything wind just was always just such a it's it's a different world when you're up in a tree and your wind's blowing over top of something right behind you whereas like your wind is just blowing all along the ground and everywhere. Yeah. And it's, it, it just seems totally different as well as concealment. Um, I had concealment issues and it was like, it was, 
it was almost counterproductive because I was essentially screwing up good spots by by hunting them when I should have been sitting at home and not deer hunting almost. Right. Is this kind of what it was? There was actually the one the one property I hunt. Um, there was like a log jam. Um, it was it was where a couple of trees had fallen down, and I could basically like climb up tree trunks to get like eight feet off the ground. So like I'd climb up on the tree trunks and I actually hung like a lock on like eight feet off the ground. And that was counterproductive as well, but were you getting busted a lot? Yeah. Um, I got busted a few times. I just did not see a whole lot of deer in general. It's just like, I felt like, I felt like my vision was like so restricted Yeah. just because it's, and it was most, it was early season too um for some of that so it was just like i couldn't see further than like 30 yards so if a deer was within 30 yards and i wasn't ready or looking around or whatever like i was screwed if it was outside of 30 yards i couldn't see it so it was just it was almost more of like a it was difficult mentally more than anything because it was like i know there's deer everywhere i just i just can't be in the right spot because i gotta have a little bit of cover and i'm on the ground so i can't see over here and it, it was frustrating. That's for sure, man. So the property you mentioned beforehand that some kids had, you know, some neighbor kids had been built a fort in there. Right. So there was some additional pressure you felt then your entire hunting strategy had to change as well. Right. And, yes. and this was throughout what the entire month of October that you were basically just trying to reeducate yourself on, on the property where the deer were at and how to hunt it, you know, with the limitations of having to hunt on the ground. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. But I, I actually typically the property I ended up shooting this buck on, I actually don't hunt much early season because it is a camp. I usually stay out of it until I, I, I like to get in as soon as I can, but, but I try to stay out of it because they start kind of winding down like into December and January so I try to stay out of that property throughout this whole time period. I was hunting some different properties. So I guess, I guess it was for the best kind of keeping the pressure off this one. It always works out, gotcha. but, um, but it was, it was still <laughs> was basically ruining the deer hunting on some other properties instead of this one. So with that said, then, I mean, did you have any early season encounters with any bucks that, you know, wet your whistle, so to speak? No, I didn't even, I'm trying to think, I don't, I, dude, I don't think I even saw a buck until like rut. I don't think I saw a buck all early season. Really? I mean, I saw some does and some yearlings. Yeah, but I don't, I didn't see a buck until I had one, that stand that I said I'd, I could climb up some trees and kind of get like eight feet off the ground. Um, I had a, uh, and I think it was like a three-year-old and I think he was like a 10-point and he was realistically he's a decent buck if he made it through this year he'll be a tank um but he chased a doe past my tree stand on like october 28th i think and he was decent but it was one of those things where he's kind of running by and it, it wasn't something that i could have really gotten a shot off at him but it was enough to get me excited right. um i really didn't see any good bucks until i think november november 10th um and i had and this is on a different property than I killed my buck on, but I actually had a, I got my pick line pulled on November 9th and I had a doctor's appointment 
with a different doctor for like a follow-up on November 10th. And I thought about canceling that appointment. It was like an afternoon thing. So I could hunt morning. I go to my appointment and I can hopefully get out in the evening. And I thought about canceling it and just sitting all day. And I was like, no, nah, I'll just get it done with and over with and be, right. be good to hunt the rest of the week. And, uh, I hunted that morning until like 11 o'clock and I didn't see anything until 10, 15. I saw three bucks between like 10, 15 and 11, all small ones, but still, um, and I went to my doctor's appointment and I came back and there was like six bucks chasing each other, like just like 150 yards from me, just like in circles all evening, but they had to have come into the property at some point. And that's not guaranteeing they, uh, they would walk past that stand, but I mean, they just like, and two of them were one was like at least 150 inch, 10 point. One of them was like a monster a uh, big old freak. I had gotten a trail cam picture. She had like a pitchfork thing on one side and another side. It was like a giant five point frame with like a his beam drop down, like a drop tine, just like a monster monster bucks running all over. And I was at a freaking doctor's appointment. <laughs> um, so that was frustrating. The, the frustration just like never ended. So it ended up getting, I, I hunted hard in the rut. I, I ended I drew on a decent eight point one day flying through chasing a doe and I couldn't get him to stop. Um, and, and I'd seen a couple other deer, but it was just like, nothing was ever on my side. There's a gun range next to the one property I hunt and people were, I had a nice buck working my way and uh, these idiots decided to start screaming and doing burnouts at the gun range. And it's just like, it was, it's just like relentlessly never ending issues (laughs) this year. So, so it ended up, finally I hunted through rot and I, um, I'd gotten into late season and I started hunting at the camp, which I'd been kind of waiting to get into. And, and this has been, it's always kind of been like my back pocket spot. Like I've always seen nice deer there in late season, but I'd always had my buck tag filled in yeah. like November. So I never had to worry about it. One second though. So, I got a question. Yeah, you're good. So yeah. throughout the rut, I mean, you mentioned that this was a, a frustrating, a really frustrating season for you not only from the fact that you had your injury and that just took a lot out of you, you changed the way you hunted. But when you got back into the tree, it sounds to me like you were seeing good deer or was that just like a, only a couple days? I was, I was seeing them, but it was just like a day late and a dollar shorter. It, it would just never like, it would be close to happening, but it just wouldn't quite happen. Right. And it was, I, I took the, my bucks, not this year, but the previous two years, I took off the same property. And um, conveniently enough, I took a couple big bucks off there, and the landowner's buddies decided that they were going to pick up deer hunting. So they've pretty much, yeah, Assholes. yeah, it's great, great, yeah. So it's basically has they've just, like, stampeded all over the whole thing and just really soured the waters for, like, like I, they've just pretty, I, I don't know. It could have something to do with crop rotation, too. They did this year instead of corn which they usually do they planted some sort of like cover crop um and i suppose that could have changed the yeah. routine of the deer i guess um but i mean there was food there it's just for whatever reason they just behaved differently i don't know if it was because of those guys or the food or what but yeah i mean i was seeing some good deer once it got into rut but it was just just never happening i had i had a couple big bucks chasing a doe one day out in front of me and I'm getting dark and they came in and I sat in the stand until an hour and a half after dark because they were like underneath me grunting at this doe and I was like I can't do anything anything about it been waiting all week for the monsters to come in and they come in 10 minutes too late yeah man 
So at least you were seeing yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kept my spirits up a little right, bit. Right. Man, I've I've had a couple uh years where I just every every plan I put together was wrong, right? I mean, I wasn't even seeing good deer. I'd see, yeah. you know, the four corns come through or the button bucks come through, but I wasn't even seeing does. So that tells me, yeah. you know, I, and that's that's when you get frustrating is when when you're behind, like what, uh, like kind of like what you said. But at least you were seeing something. Now, getting past the rut, you had a couple opportunities that just didn't go your way, and now you're starting to get into post rut, even late season, and you, you started coming on to this this new farm. Um, did did the were you still seeing deer at this point or did it kind of shut down and, and do what most farms do when the, in that post rut and just kind of turn off for a while? Yeah, I actually, I'm trying to think cause we, uh, yeah, after rut, um, I usually take some time off of work and, and hit it pretty hard. And then, uh, I try to get out when I can, but just not as hard. And our gun season comes in shortly after, um, ruts over, I think end of November, beginning of December. Um, so I hit that some, uh, and just basically no luck. I was just kind of at that point after rut hunting, I was kind of waiting to get into, uh, get into this property and, and start hunting late season, which typically is December and January, um, is, is basically what I was waiting on. All right. So what did you see when you started to get in, into, you know, those, those hunts? Yeah, I, uh, and I'm trying to think it was just like random, random days that I would take off or I'd have a floating holiday or I would just get out there whenever I could. And, and, uh, I had hung one stand and it's basically like I left, I left the stand in place. Uh, and I hung it when I kind of got in there and started hunting. So it was like December. So I'd leave the stand in place and I'd just take my sticks out with me. And, um, I think it was maybe the third week of December. I was in there one morning and the pressure had skyrocketed and the, uh, temperature had dropped. We'd had like a, just a spell of like days in like the mid forties or something. And then there was like a morning where it was 20 degrees and I was in there and I had a really, really good buck come through. And, uh, I guess that's one of the things I didn't address about this property. There's super high deer densities. That's one of the other reasons I was still using the crossbow. Cause when you see one deer, you see 20 right. and it's, it's just, terribly difficult to get a draw on anything and this year has been so rough i was anything to give me the upper hand at that point i'm i'm taking advantage of um so i had i had been in and uh and i had a bunch of does come through and i had a really big probably like 150s 10 point come through and uh and they were all they just kept filtering through behind me in this other spot and this is this is morning movement late season which isn't super typical and i usually don't bank on but on this property in particular if you get a good drop in temperature or something rolling through there usually some decent ones will be moving uh so i hunted that morning screwed that up he passed behind me at 40 yards and actually i had him at 35 and there was like one branch across his vitals and i just wasn't 100 percent okay with that they had uh some people coming into camp that night and uh the last thing I need to do is stomp, be stomping all over with a flashlight in the middle of the night, trying to track a deer because I <laughs> hit a branch or something right. stupid like that. So, right. so I passed that one, and that was a good deer. Uh, and and 
that was kind of a consistent trend. I was seeing good deer on good deer. I had, uh, at one point I had hunted an evening, um, and I had, I just like got a glimpse of, a, a antlers on the hill and I was like, well, that looked like a good buck. And they all filtered down and it was, I think there was 14 does and three bucks came down the hill and they just, for whatever reason, like got hung up at like 60 yards. My wind wasn't blowing to them or anything, but they got hung up at 60 yards and never came closer. And the biggest buck of that group was the buck I actually ended up shooting. So I had, that was like my first real visual in-person sighting of that deer. Cause the other two were decent. Um, and, and they weren't bad at all. And then this guy walked out and I was like, wow, that's, that's a bigger deer. I would love to shoot that deer. And they ended up for whatever reason, never, never going around. So, or never coming by me. They went around the other side. There's a small swamp, basically what it is. It's almost like a, it's almost like a ravine that like the top of the ravine, there's like a small swamp, maybe a couple acres. Um, so they basically come between like a parking lot and the swamp. There's like a pinch there almost. And they always run that pinch. Uh, and I guess that's the other thing I forgot too. So these, these kids back to the kids in their damn fort. So, so they're, uh, I've never seen children that play outside this much and good for them. <laughs> good, good for them. That's what I like to see kids playing outside, but it's like every freaking evening I'm hunting. And I'm like, I just need one evening for these kids not to come outside and scream. I just yeah. need one evening. Cause the, the deer are moving through this area in the morning but they're not really there in the evening. And I'm, I've kind of gotten permission for just the small area of the property. I can't really free range it like I'd like. So I'm trying to use what I have. And uh, these kids are like coming out screaming every evening and the evening that I, that's why the deer had actually got hung up. I believe 60 yards out, the kids were sled riding in their backyard, just like screaming obnoxiously. And I mean, they're a couple hundred yards away, but, and I'm sure the deer are used to it to an extent, but not used to it enough that they were willing to head that direction. Right, right. So, so I was waiting for these kids to just finally spend the night inside, and and I'd hunted it a few times. I'd seen some seen nice bucks almost every evening, especially, but I'm seeing them far out, and I'm trying to stay in my little area that I'm supposed to be hunting. Um, and I ended up it finally boiled down to I'm I'm watching the weather. I'm watching the weather. I had two more floating holidays to use for my thing. I work Christmas Eve and Christmas and we get a floating holiday to use within 30 days. So I had two days to use and I'm like, I've, I've got to watch the weather. I got to figure out what days I'm going to take. And I took uh, January 16th and 17th was the days I'd ended up settling on. And uh, I'd seen, I'm trying to think how my morning hunt went. I don't remember. I'd always have a bunch of does come in in the morning and they'd, they'd bed shortly after nine o'clock. And I'd sit there until they eventually got up and left and then climbed down. Um, the evening of the 16th, I had seen three bucks. Uh, one was like a tall racked, I think he was just a six point, but like two year old six point. Um, I, I'd seen an eight point that I'd seen, or he might even be a nine. Um, but he's, he's kind of tall, kind of narrow, but his beams kind of just go up almost. He's real tall, real good looking deer. Um, I think probably a three year old, but I was ready to shoot him. Uh, and he went over on the other side of the swamp. So I'm watching, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to figure something out. I need to get over there. I need to change my spot. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of making my plans in my, in my head at this time. And I'm watching this deer go over and he stops and I see a doe come walking down the hill 
They're like, oh, they're going to. And he, like, kind of goes over and, like, scent checks her a little bit. And then just, like, the slob walks out, just a big old, I, I think he was a nine-point, like, perfect mainframe eight with, like, a, his G, I guess, like, four on the one side, like, pointed directly in. Just a big old, like, one of those deer that you see in his antlers just make his body look itty-bitty. Yeah. Like, just a big old heavy monster tank, and I was, like, drooling. And uh, they kind of went down into the edge of the swamp and, and they were pushing this doe around a little bit. This is January 16th. And I'm like, man, push that doe over here, please. And, uh, and they never, they ended up turning and going the other way. And I'm like, man, that sucks. So the next evening I decide I'm making my move. I'm going over there and it's a little closer to these houses. I'm a little uneasy about it. Is it cold? Because I don't know. Is it cold out yeah. right now? Yeah, it was, uh. It was like teens, yeah. I think. It had it had dropped. Uh, it had, it was there was a big temperature drop. I'm trying to think. I mean, it was like 30s, and then it dropped to like teens. It was, I think the the 16th, I think was like a high of 14, and the 17th when I ended up shooting my deer was like a high of 17. So yeah, it's it's pretty bitter. It's pretty awful. And the kids were still playing outside. Oh in yeah, this every weather, day. every night. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the 17th, which, which I'll, which I'll get into in a minute, but yeah, almost, almost every night. Cause I'm, at least they're not playing in the woods at this point. Yeah. A little, before it got super cold, they were like down playing in the woods. And we'd even, we'd even told them at one point, like, Hey guys, this is private property. And, and I think they just thought where they were running through was private property. They went back and continued to play in their four. I thought about, I've thought about a hundred different things. Like, Cause I'm trying to be nice about it. Like, and I'm also trying to, like, I don't want to piss the guy that's in charge of the property off. I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Like I thought about like trying to go talk to the parents and be like, Hey, I'm going to text you guys when I'm hunting back here. If you can keep the kids. Like I've thought about what to do about it. I just really want to ream them and go pound on the door and say, keep your damn kids inside. But, yeah. but I don't, uh, I mean, I, I can't control what they do in their yard, but it's yeah. like when they're down running through the woods every day, it's just, it was getting endlessly frustrating. I was trying to figure out options, but I was just sucking it up basically. Right, right. But so so the evening of the 17th, I, I decide I'm making a move. So I keep seeing the deer go to the other side of the swamp. I'm I'm going over there. That's where the giant was the evening before. Um, are you ru- back to I, running? And, are you back to running and gunning at this point? Yeah, yeah. I'm using a. Um, basically here on this property i'm using a climber okay um i do have i have like a muddy lock on and some muddy sticks that i will use on occasion for running gun but uh but there's a lot of straight nice straight trees and it's just easier to take my climber in and, and i can get super high in that too which is always one of my concerns with uh with the deer density there it's like 20 sets of eyes trying to pick you out of a tree and i can't get i really pushing it is like 18 feet with my muddy setup and uh i can go as high as i want my climber so nice i had been i had been using the climber yeah okay so you make a move uh, i make a move i go over to the other side basically i'm on like the top side of this little swamp and there's tracks everywhere it's an awesome spot um and i'm trying to pick out the right tree because there's some houses on the hill behind me and i mean i'm i'm 70 probably 75 yards from the property line but i'm trying to trying to not be noticed i don't want anybody coming down and harassing me and stuff because that's one of the other issues we deal with a lot with basically hunting such urbanized areas people that don't like hunting uh will come out and let you know 
but uh, so I don't want any, I don't want anybody to see me. And, uh, so I'm trying to figure out where I can go. And, and there's like a pine tree. There's like a pine tree that for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the kind of tree it is. I don't know exactly what kind of pine, but it kind of went straight up and like slumped over a little bit. So it's almost like flat on the top. And there's like a basswood tree right next to it. It's perfectly straight and they have super hard bark and I hate climbing them with a climber, but I'm like, it's the perfect setup. I can climb straight up this basswood and like swing, swing around just a little bit. And it'll be like, I'm sitting in a crow's nest. I'm right on, right on top of this, uh, basically right on top of this pine tree. It's perfect. So I end up finally getting up and set in and, uh, I had accidentally broken off some pine tree branches when I was on my way up. So, basically though i smelled like pine tree i was like cover scent good to go <laughs> this is an awesome setup wind's perfect everything's wonderful so i get settled in and uh and i'm sitting there and it's kind kind of unusually slow usually shortly after i settle in i have some does working through there's a whole bunch of them in there and and uh it was real slow for like the first hour and a half. i was settled in probably 2 30 i think i got in plenty early that day because i wanted to make sure everything could settle down and uh, I don't think I saw any deer till maybe f- it was after four. Um, and I had some does working through kind of in front of me to my right. And they're kind of angling towards me, but kind of going away at the same time, I guess. So they were working through and I was keeping an eye on them. And and I started hearing like clanking on this hill up in front of me. And, and I'm like, man, that really sounds like deer antlers sounds like some bucks sparring and, and I'm watching and listening and watching and listening and and it's just like continuing and continuing but it's kind of breezy so it's like one of those things that maybe branches are hitting that's what it could have been what I what I heard but it just like continues like 45 minutes and at one point it was like getting pretty serious and uh and I'm still watching and still watching I catch some movement on the hill in front of me and I get my binoculars up and I can see two good bucks and they're they're in a super thick area, but I can see bodies and I can see antlers. And they'd push this way, and I was watching them. And then they push this way, and I could see them. And uh, and I'm like, one of those suckers has to come down here, please. And uh, was there good trails? Finally, or, I mean, were there were there good trails down coming through your tree stand locate like where your tree stand? I mean, was there snow in the ground indicating that hey, there, yeah, there's yeah, deer yeah. funneling through here? Yeah, it's snowy. There's a really good trail. Um, it was like 20 yards to my left going along the swamp. There was a, uh, actually like a gas line coming through. There's a series of gas lines. So I'm almost in like, almost like a little triangle of woods. Um, so there's gas lines almost all the way around me, but it's like, I got a 20 yard shot everywhere all the way around me. And then I have, I can shoot further too. It's wide open, mature hardwoods. Um, basically in the direction I'm facing kind of goes downhill into a bottom. And once it hits the bottom, it gets real thick and the whole hillside's real thick. Um, basically like right side of me on the hillside is real thick. Left side is like wide open hardwoods. So they usually come out of the thicket in front of me to the right and they work to the left or down the hill, um, towards the open hardwoods in the evening. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so I'm, I'm hearing this clanking, clanking, clanking forever. And I, and it's to a point at, at one point I'm like, man, if a deer comes down here and is missing an antler, like I'm going up on the hill and trying to find it after <laughs> we're done. Cause, because I mean, they were, they were really kind of more aggressive than I thought they'd be this time of the year anyways. And, uh, so they finally stop and like another 20 minutes goes by and I'm like, man, I hope they didn't go the other way because I'm not seeing, not seeing anything. They're not coming out. And I finally catch movement out in front of me 
and uh, it's a deer kind of going to the left and in the general direction of where I'd been sitting. And I get my binoculars up and I look at it and it's the nice eight or nine point with the real tall beams that I'd seen the night before that I would definitely shoot. And he's going right, right to where I'd been sitting. Um, and the kids aren't out tonight, so there's nothing to scare him off. So he goes and he gets, he gets hung up and eats, uh, eats on this pine tree. They always eat on for a little bit and then continues and walks like 20 yards away from the air basic area that I'd been sitting consistently. So that was frustrating. I'm sitting over there cussing myself and, and, uh, just continued sitting there watching basically. And I have, uh, some more deer pop out on the hillside in front of me. And I just thought it was some does working my way. And there was basically like a line of them. So one deer after another, and I think there was maybe six of them and they're getting closer and closer and closer. I didn't even pull my binoculars up. I was just letting the does pass by. And as they're getting closer, I'm like, Oh no, that first one's a buck. Well, that second one's a buck too. So this is the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one's a shooter and the sixth one's a buck too. So there's six bucks all in a row walking single file, like in my direction. So at that point, I, I see the fifth one's a shooter, big wide eight point. That's the one I want game on. And they're basically working, kind of angling towards me to the right, but they're going to come within, they're going to come within 30 yards for sure. And uh, <clears throat> so they basically get through one lane and I'm, I kind of ranged it. And it's like 40, the big ones at 40. And I'm like, oh, they're coming my way. Like, I'll just let them come closer. And, uh, the wind kicks like at the last second, just kind of goofy. And the first one just like gets full, full alert. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And, uh, so they kind of do their super alarmed meander around for a minute and then turn back. And the big one had turned and was like, just perfectly broadside. And I was like, I'm letting an arrow fly. Now, one second before we continue, season. I got to know before we continue, I got to know. It was a long, rough, hard season for you, frustrating in, oh, ma- yeah. in many ways. And you see this row of bucks with one shooter in it that you're going to take that you feel like, you know, if, if this gives me an opportunity, I'm going to, I'm going to, I might have a shot at it. Did anything, like, was anything going in, in your mind at that point about how frustrating of a season it had been and, um, like finally it, it's about to happen to like, what what were you thinking at that point? I was full, fully focused on just gotta, gotta make it happen. Yeah. Gotta make it happen. I was at this point, I love like deer hunting is probably my favorite thing to do. I mean, like definitely my favorite thing to do. Like I live for bow season and, but this year I was so ready to be done bow hunting. Like I just, it's just been such a long drawn out season. It was like, I just want to, I just want to relax and not feel like I need to be in the woods every single day. And, uh, it was just like, I need to just fully focused on just needing to make it happen so I can relax for the last two weeks of both season, basically. Yeah. All right. So he presents a broad shot, a broad side shot. What happens? Yeah. I, uh, so they, they gotten super, super wiggy, super fast. And he turned back around and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And, uh, and I, I had ranged that area. I knew it was about 40 yards. I put my 40 yard crosshairs right on him, squeezed the trigger. And I couldn't see where my, 
arrow had hit and I'm like, man, I hope that was a good hit. Cause I don't want to, I mean, there's snow on the ground. It's easy tracking for sure. But I didn't see where I hit. It sounded good, but I didn't know where I hit. And I was slightly concerned and he went running straight up the hill. And I'm like, man, I hope he goes down. I hope he goes down. And he stopped. He ran, ran like 65 yards maybe and stopped and like almost like sort of stood up slash halfway fell backwards and I was like he's going down nice. and then he kind of caught himself and then he flopped right there and then I was super 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 <laughs> elated so then you know you went from focused you made the shot you watched him fall then what was going through your head full-on celebration I yeah. was I was so I was so shook up and so it was so stinking cold I was like because I went in extra early and I'd questioned doing that because it was so cold and uh, I was so cold before. I mean, it was, I think I'd shot him close to an hour before dark and it was like so cold that I was just so shaky. I was concerned about being able to get down out of my tree because it was kind of a janky setup, but, um, but it was just full celebration mode for sure. I was just very, very happy to, to, uh, have one on the ground for sure. And it's always one of those things. Every time I, every time I see a good one, or shoot a good one and see him fall, it's like I always second-guess it because, like, I see him go down, but then I start texting people, I got a good buck on the ground, and then it's like, well, maybe he got back up in that instance and, like, walked back <laughs> off. So, so I, like, texted a bunch of people, and then I was trying to find him the binoculars, which I could see his, his rear end in the binoculars. But, uh, no, I was just full-on excited, pumped up, and very, very, very happy I was able to get a nice buck on the ground for sure. Especially, I'd never shot a buck late season, so that was kind of cool too. I know, latest, latest I think I'd ever shot a buck was maybe beginning of December. Is this uh, your first deer with a crossbow too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first deer yeah, with a crossbow, first deer late yep. season. Yep, yep. So I'm going back, I'm full on. Actually, I kind of told myself when the whole hand thing happened, I said, if I ever get full functionality back in my hand, I want to try traditional. So I don't know if I'm going to make the jump to that right away, but I'm definitely going back to compound next year. Yeah. Um, just because I, I don't know. There's something about a compound bow. I like the crossbow is definitely easier, but, but, uh, I don't know. Not, not, not so much for me. I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to use it to get a good buck on the ground. That's so, for sure. So what did you learn from this season? Straight persistence, I guess. I, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I probably, like I said before, like I should, I think I educated a lot of deer early season. I should have just stayed out. If you're in, this is a lesson for other hunters too. If you're in a predicament, I mean, I understand you want to be in the woods, but maybe go hunt some public land or, or something where you're not going to screw up your chances for later in the season. Cause I do think I, I educated some deer early on um, just from sitting on the ground or what, not, basically not, not hunting smart. Um, so that would be first thing for sure. I, I should have just stayed out of the woods early on until I could have gotten in a tree. Gotcha. Um, and then just straight, straight persistence, I guess I, I that's that's what I owe it all to. I think sticking with it, which I was I was ready to give up on more than one occasion, but but just got to stick with it. And look what happens, right? Yep, yep, that's for sure. So you found a shed, you got you got this deer. I mean, did you put two and two together? Uh, you know, when you shot this deer, did you realize it was from the buck that you found the antler to? 
Yeah, I thought it was. The first time I saw him, I was like, man, I think that's the deer I have the antler to. But, but he grows, and everybody I showed the picture to is like, man, it looks like there's like two years between that shed and, and where he's at now. And it's like, yeah. well, I found the shed in April, and it was fresh. So, yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I don't know. But when you hold – I thought it was the same buck that I had the antler of when I got him home, grabbed the shed out, and held it right next to him. I mean, it's got the same curves, the same look, the same everything. So – I I'm I'm fairly confident it is. At the time, I thought it was. I hadn't put it together 100 percent just because he put on so much mass. I mean, I was I was looking at his shed from last year. I didn't score that one or anything, but I mean, I think he probably put on close to 40 or 50 inches from last year. Man, um, that's yeah, a lot so of mass. Really, yeah, really blew up big time. And it's all the way. His mass goes all the way out to points and everything. I mean, he's just just a fat rack for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, man, I tell you what, that's uh, one hell of a story. You know, you know, I've had a guy on before. He blew his blew his knee out really bad, and he could barely walk. I mean, he had to use a cane to get around, and he went out and he made it happen. Uh, you, you, it sounds like you almost lost a finger due to a thorn. Yeah. You went out, <laughs> yep. you made it happen, and uh, you're absolutely right when you say if you want to do it and and do it right with the you know the best possible result sometimes you just gotta grind and mm-hmm. and know that you know there's gonna be years i mean did the thought of eating your tag ever go through your head oh yeah for sure for yeah. sure i and i was concerned about it early on just like in general just with the injury and whatnot i didn't know how soon i was gonna get better i didn't know when i was gonna be good to go and uh it was getting to this point so late in the season that I just I kind of written it off as a loss almost I mean I knew my my lucky streak had to come to an end at some point right so I I was I was willing to accept that but I'm glad I didn't have to this year well I tell you what man congratulations I mean you already you. you already went out you found a shed this year which I'm extremely jealous of I was talking with my wife today while we were driving in the car Hey man, we got to get out and do a little more shed hunting this year, and she's my shed hunting partner now. So, uh, yeah. So uh, we're excited to do that. It looks like you're on your way to do that as well. And uh, I don't know. Thanks for taking time to come on the show, and uh, good luck on your upcoming seasons, man. Yeah, thanks, Dan. You too. Appreciate it. Huge shout out to Nick for coming on the podcast, man. Really appreciate your time. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who continually download this podcast. Again, without you, this does not exist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. Wasp, Ripcord, Exodus, Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf, Ozonics, and Gearhead. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. If you like this podcast, man, because the list of companies and and Bighorn Outfitters that I just mentioned, man, are solid companies that make solid kick-ass products. So please go support them. Other than that, guys, I'm going to keep it short. Check it. Check me out on social media. You know, Nine Finger Chronicles. Nine Finger Chronicles on Instagram and Facebook. Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network on Instagram and Facebook. And one more big announcement on Friday: we are going to be launching a brand new podcast on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. The name of it is going to be Southern Ground. It's the Southern Ground Podcast, and it is dedicated to 
I mean, the guys all over the country are going to be able to benefit from it as well. But uh, it's from a guy from Alabama, and he hunts the South. And there's only a handful of, you know, Southern dedicated podcasts out there. And I thought that would be a great addition to the lineup at the uh, Sportsman's Nation. So uh, I brought on a guy named Parker McDonald. He hunts the South, and uh, his... His uh, podcast is going to be about hunting the South and uh, how different it is compared to the rest of the country. So uh, keep an eye out for that on Friday. I, I already can tell you there's some big guests lined up on that uh, on that podcast. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, other than that, guys, if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.